Hello and welcome back to the Pulp Diction Podcast for the Western Conference piece of our NBA preview. I'm joined with Nick Young, frequent guest, and we're just going to follow up from the last pod we did and do the rest of the NBA, do the Western Conference. Nick, how are you feeling? I'm great. It's nice to be in Cambridge. It's nice to be in your new new space, new location. It's a little different than under the stairs media, but I like it better. Yeah. Um, I love my new apartment. Uh, it's just so much nicer. And I will say that my entire day today has been built around peaking for this two-hour period of time. Because <laughs> I woke up like 10, 10.30, slept in a bit. Grad school life, no class Friday. Came back to the homestead, cooked up some hash browns, mm. scrambled eggs, Whoa. oven bacon. Whoa, true. Ate that. Played a little, uh, played a little Fortnite. Played a little FIFA. Got limber. Picked up the house a bit. Cracked open a beer, and now I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that newfound energy, let's go to the bottom of the table. Let's go to where the Kings and Suns have been for the last. I don't know, since Steve Nash left and since the Kings were good in 2002. Um, and I've got them at the bottom again. And it's very cute that people like Devin Booker. Um, you know, the Kings have, I don't know, eight top ten picks on their roster at this point uh, or something like that. But I think they're the two worst teams in the league. And in the I think, league? Oh, sorry, in the conference. Hmm. The Hawks are probably the worst team in the league in the Nets. Oh, but sure. they'll, they'll be in the lottery again. And you'd, it would be a shock if one of these two teams escaped the lottery to me. Well, what's crazy about the West is that it really could just break so many different ways. Like, so many teams could combust and make a very sharp descent into the lottery like the Grizz did last year. Um, and, you know, some teams that we don't expect might actually be good. So I don't hate the Suns, and I don't project them to be um, necessarily terrible. I think as it stands right now, um, I don't love what they're going to do, but I actually think that they are, I would be shocked if they're drafting, um, top seven this year. Um, so I would not be, I, I mean, I look at the West, right? And by my count, you've got 11 teams that expect or really hope to make the playoffs. And the 12th in the Clippers, who probably don't internally project it necessarily, but plan to be challenging for it. Um, and who that leaves are the Mavericks, who will be competent. They have a good coach. Like, they're not going to be this bad. Um, and they've got Doncic. Like, they've got, you know, like, they're going to be a fine team. They'll try hard. And so for me, it makes it super easy to just say, okay, the Kings and Suns are going to suck because they have sucked. <clears throat> they didn't add anyone who's going to single-handedly drag them into a better position. Um, and especially with this kind of murderous row, they will suck. I mean, if you drop the Suns in the East and they're playing, you know, and they have to beat out the Hornets for the eighth seed, you could talk me into that argument. But that's not what's going on here. Yeah. No, I think I think they're a, they're a 38-win 30, team in what? the East. In the oh, East. in the East? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. In the West, I I don't know if they can um if they can really get over like 32 but i think they could win 30 games um they so, defend so poorly and having a rookie center can't help that that's true 
their defense will not be good. They're gonna have a lot of uh, they're gonna have a lot of shaky nights. And that no, for every game they don't have Devin Booker, I don't see how they also either score. But I think his injury was kind of overblown. He's he's talking about making opening night. He'll definitely be back within the first. Doesn't two weeks. he have an injured shooting wrist though? And isn't he a shooter? It's it's like a small bone in the middle of his shooting hand. That so sounds... it actually it actually like doesn't have a lot to do with his shooting motion apparently. Okay. That's what I don't know. They're they're saying that he's going to be ready for opening night. Or I mean, that he might be yeah, ready for opening. This night. isn't a head trim me on Devin Booker's health. This is like in fact, I think a 100% healthy Devin Booker. This team is still bad. I think that they're going to be really good um 2 years from now. Sim- in a similar way to the Magic, um I really like their young pieces. I love Booker. I think he's going to be sniffing top 15 this year. I don't know if he'll quite make it yet, but he's gotten so much better each year that he's been in the league. And I think that he's going to have a more competent coach this year and a better supporting cast, which will help him a lot. I also like Josh Jackson. He plays good defense. Uh, He's long. He shoots the ball. Not amazingly, not going to win you over, but but does enough to get by. So when you've got... um, Josh Jackson, Devin Booker, DeAndre Eden, who has been a beast in the preseason. Like, he's he's been averaging close to 20 and 10 in the preseason, which is not, you know, that let's not crown him, you know, the next Hakeem Olajuwon, but that's not nothing. So those three pieces are very steady. And then they got that guy from Philly. Um, Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges. The, the Villanova Bridges. Who will be decent. No, he's fine. And, like, if you're telling me that... In two years, a starting five of, like, Booker, Bridges, uh, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, and Aiton are, like, putting them near a six seed. That doesn't shock me. At the same time, I, like, I don't think there's any reason to expect that from them in two years, let alone this year. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that they're a perpetually weirdly coached team with guys who underachieve in a losing culture. Um, and I don't, I've never liked the Josh Jackson pick. To me, he's Stanley Johnson 2.0. Could be. Um, you know, Warren is paid a lot and can't shoot and can't defend, uh, but he can kind of score, but that's what Booker can kind of do. You got Ryan Anderson there who may just check out and take his 18 million. Maybe (laughs) he'll cash some threes. Um, and you know, if Booker's not your point guard, I don't know who the fuck's going to do it. I think he will be though. It would be it would be asinine to not have him be the point guard. But they have like he's the only like guard on the team. <laughs> I mean Jackson. Jackson <laughs> Which is kind of weird the, to say. Jackson can kind of play the two. So you he, have you have Booker. Jackson's like six eight, and if you're just going to roll out all six eight guys, you know that's interesting. I I haven't seen any indication they're going to. I think we're going to get a lot of Ellie Okobo, a lot of uh, Isaiah Cannon, a lot of Troy Daniels. Um, and these are not NBA names, but we've already talked way too long about yeah. bad teams. I do want to say about the Kings, Harry Giles looks decent, and... Good for him. You know, he was someone who was literally the number one overall prospect, and, like, kind of similar yeah. to Michael Porter, just had it crash down around injury during his college season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the difference between the two was Porter never played, so no one had to see him play badly. He played, like, one game. Uh, Giles played, and he played as he was rehabilitating and just looked kind of shaky. Um, but he's been pretty bouncy in uh, in a lot of games for the Kings. Which would be fun. Their team's also weird and bad. So we're moving on. Um, Mavericks, Grizz. Can I say real quick about Giles? A great Sure. 
Did you hear the Jason Tatum interview where uh, someone asked him, was there anyone in your, like, in your high school class who was as good as you? And he goes, no. And then he thinks about it and he's like, actually, Harry Giles. <laughs> Dude, Giles was fire. So, like, it's just, it's just kind of cool for, like, Tatum, who seems to be the consensus best player uh, to come out of that year, to say, like, oh, yeah, Harry Giles was way better than me in high school. Yeah, I mean, we'll see with him. The problem with the Kings is that they have him and Bagley, who are fours, who yeah. can't guard threes and can't protect the rim. The, the Kings are a fucking catastrophe. Um, anyway, Mavericks Grizzlies, I'm excited to see what Doncic does. Um, I think it's he's going to be one of those guys that has kind of outsized impact to his stats with the way he can hit skip guys and get hockey assists and um, just kind of be very versatile. Uh, and I'm excited to see what Carlisle does with him. Uh, but I don't think a lot of ball for him and Dennis Smith Jr. means a winning team in this stacked conference. Um, and with the Grizzlies, I also have them out of the playoffs. Um, probably like the 11th or 12th best team. You know, another year of aging for Marcus Hall and Mike Conley. They're still good players. They're not $30 million, $35 million a year good players. You still got Chandler Parsons sucking up that whole cap. They didn't trade Tyreek Evans last year and let him sign for nothing, which was inexplicable to everyone involved. Um, and they just have a roster that's not good. Yeah, I mean, you you said it all. I think, like, so the Memphis pick is is top eight protected. So, like, I, I think if, if I was running Memphis, I would really, like... First, like first day of the season, I'm looking to shop Gasol and Conley, and I know that that's like so contrary to their mentality. And I love Memphis and have re- and really enjoyed that like grit and grind Grizzlies team. That was like that team. I gotta say, along with like the Thibodeau Bulls, is what really brought me back into basketball in the in the early 2010s. Wow, I find them. I found them really not that much fun to watch. I I loved it, but like. Whatever. So, so I mean, like, it's it's the end of an era, but at the same time, like, that that Michigan State guy, I think his name is Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron, yeah. He's, he's nice. He's nice, but he's, like, the youngest kid in the draft. He's, like, not even 19 or something like that. He's, like, just barely 19. So, like, he's a great piece. Sell Conley, Conley and Gasol for whatever they're worth and, uh, you know, build for the future. Yeah, I will say with that grit and grind Grizzlies team, as much as they were an eyesore... Uh, that series where Zebo just ate uh, the Spurs alive and they knocked out the one seed Spurs was fucking awesome. Yeah, and how about when they knocked out the Thunder when they and the or their great wars against the Clippers? Like they they had a lot of great playoff yeah. moments. Zebo Zebo is a lot of fun. Gasol is yeah. a lot of fun. I will say with this team, I'm also in favor of especially selling uh, Gasol. Conley you might not be able to get anything for. Just because he's old, he always gets hurt, and he's paid literally $35 million. Um, but Gasol, Gasol and Jaron Jackson have a similar issue to what Noah and Gasol, Pau Gasol had, where they're both, I think, going to be good players. Uh, but You mean Bulls, Noah, and Bulls, Pau Gasol? Yes. Um, but with Noah and Gasol, Pau Gasol, the problem was that what Joakim Noah gave you on defense from the center position was killed by playing next to Pau Gasol, because he'd have to guard fours. Mm-hmm. And what Pau Gasol gave you offensively from the five position was killed because with Joe Kino on the court, he's a four offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see the same thing here. You know, Gasol has this great defensive mind. 
and you know passes, shoots from the big man position. But if you're playing him and Jaron Jackson together, um, you know one of the two of them, their benefit as a stretch five is going to be gone because they're now a four and they're expected to shoot. Yeah, and maybe Jaron Jackson can chase some fours around, but at the end of the day, I want him to be my shooting center because that's why they drafted him. So yeah. I I really see the two of them not being compatible long term. And if you want to develop Jaron, maybe you give him 14 minutes a night at center behind Gasol and 14 at power forward. But at the end of the day, Mark's got to go. Yeah. So uh, I want to make a quick note on the Mavs. What I will say is I think that their roster construction, just as far as like how the pieces fit together, makes a lot of sense. So like Dennis Smith Jr. and Doncic seem like a really ideal backcourt combo because what Doncic lacks in athleticism, speed, like on-ball defending, which Dennis Smith Jr. isn't great at yet, but I think will be someday. Uh, he just in terms of like an athletic compensation, Dennis Smith Jr. has all that and more. So then you know from the from like the small forward shooting perspective, like they've got Harrison Barnes, who I think has become underrated. Like, I don't think he's worth what Dallas paid him to get him out of Golden State, but I don't think that he's terrible either. So, like, he, he definitely got overvalued because when you're playing next to Stephen Clay and Draymond and all you have to do is hit an open shot, which honestly he couldn't even do when they lost to the, when they <laughs> lost to the Cavs and yeah. nearly drove us fucking insane. He, uh, he really cost them that, that series. He absolutely did. Him and Draymond's uh, nut punch. But, like, anyway, I think that he's underrated. Wesley Matthews... Can, can at least make an open shot. Can I come in with a hot take? Sure. I'm going to defend the Draymond nut punch. Oh, oh great. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, defend it. So I want to say that he definitely should have been suspended because when he straight up kicked Steven Adams in the balls, he should have been suspended. So keeping him without a suspension after that, you're on just the thinnest of thin ice, and I'm fine with the suspension. That being said, LeBron literally like stood directly balls over Draymond's face. And Draymond just pushed them away, uh-huh. which is lost in the story that LeBron like literally like teabagging Draymond before Draymond pushes him away. And in my opinion, if someone sticks their balls in your face, you have a right to smack them out of the way. So I will defend the act. Great. Was it smart? <laughs> no. But then again, Draymond was the only one who showed up for game seven and he almost dragged them there. Hey, I'm here for it. Draymond is my spirit animal uh, in basketball. So I, any defense of his is good by me. But anyway, like... Yeah, this, no, I feel you. Wes is good. Barnes is good. Doncic is good. Dirk can, could be good. Dirk can make shots. Wesley can make shots. DeAndre Jordan, I think, can cover up some warts defensively. And what he, I think that like Rick Carlisle is the perfect coach to get something out of him offensively. Yes, because he's got a very specific set of skills, and I think that Rick Carlisle can can maximize that. And they don't have like bad guys on the bench like. Maxi, uh, I think it's Kleiber, their their German power forward, who's like the homeless man's Dirk. Um, although that's really unfair to Dirk and to homeless people because Maxi Kleiber is is gonna be like a lukewarm NBA reserve at best. But like he's not terrible, and I I I like the maps. Is, is my he eighty percent of Paul Zipser? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's better um, than Paul Zipser. I kind of like them too. I. You know, I mean, their coach is just so good, Carlisle. You can't mention that enough, especially when, you know, they catch, let's say, let's say they're playing the Nuggets, right? And, you know, they're, the Nuggets come to Dallas. Like, I would probably pick Dallas in that game. Denver's a shitty road team. Mike Malone's probably going to get outcoached by Carlisle horrifically. 
you know, they're they're a team that's going to be solid. They're going to do weird stuff offensively that's going to fuck with people. And, like, Doncic, because he played a, like, 60-game professional season last year mm-hmm. and, like, was basically MVP, like, he's going to be good off the bat. Like, his floor is so much higher than some of these other guys uh, who are coming out of the draft who played a year in college basketball, which more and more looks just nothing like NBA basketball. Um. But all right, I wanna I wanna move on from these bottom four teams because they don't okay. they don't totally interest me. Do you think of these four? I'll ask you two questions. Of these four, who has the best chance to make the playoffs? And of these four, do you think any of them have a chance at making the playoffs? Okay. Um, of the bottom four, you mean? Yes. So Kings, Suns, Mavs, Grizz. You might not say... even think they're the bottom four. Yeah, they're so, my bottom four. So I think. I think that if anybody's going to make a run out of that group, it's going to be the Mavs. Um, And just, you know, like we said at the beginning of the pod, you could have this season go so many different ways. Like, there's a world where the Pelicans, you know, everything goes to shit and they trade Anthony Davis and they bottom out. You know what I mean? So, like, anything could happen to so many of these teams in the middle. Hold that that, thought, by the way. Sure. <laughs> that like the Mavs could be a team that benefits from that. So I'm not gonna. I don't think that they're gonna make the playoffs this this uh, season. I'm not putting any money on that. But I would say of that group, this is the team I think will finish top. So I agree with you. I mean, assuming perfect health, assuming confidence, assuming nothing crazy happens, these are my bottom four. That being said, um, some of these guys have a ton of key man risk. Uh, so, like you said, the Pelicans, like, what if Davis goes down? The Thunder, what if Russ or Paul George goes down? Russ has had another knee What if Jokic goes down? Um, what if DeMar DeRozan goes down? What if Lillard or McCollum goes down? I mean, there's a lot of different ways, and this happens every year, where someone just, we lose a great player for the season. And if that happens to one of these teams, you know, Mavs and Grizz, they might get their opening. Um, I probably am leaning on the side of neither of them making it unless Doncic is a fucking star. I think that's the big X factor, but um, I have all four of them out. I do agree with you that the Mavs have the best chance to sneak in. Um, so let's move on from that, uh, that bottom four. I have kind of the Warriors, Rockets, Lakers, and Jazz as a, not a top four, but like they're the four I'm least concerned about. Uh, potentially missing the playoffs. This next chunk of seven, Pelicans, Thunder, Timberwolves, Nuggets, Blazers, Clippers, Spurs, only four of them are getting in. Six of them expect to be in. The Clippers will be frisky. Um, So I guess, Nick, I'll start off with which four of those seven do you see making it? I've got Thunder, Nuggets, Pelicans, Spurs. So I've got Trailblazers, Wolves, and Clippers out. Trailblazers, Wolves, Clippers out. Okay. I'm going to have... I'm going to have Spurs, Clippers, Blazers out. I've got the Wolves in. Um, and I think that's the only difference from yours, right? Yeah, I had the Spurs in. Yeah. So, um, you're, so you're switching Wolves for Spurs, basically. Yes. And I think I have the Wolves as a six seed, the Thunder as a seven, and the Nuggets eking out the eight, the Pelicans as a five seed. 
I had uh, Thunder as the fifth seed, Nuggets as the sixth, uh, and then Pelicans and Spurs. Okay. Um, here's my big-ass caveat with this, and I might as well touch on it because you brought it up. I think there's a very good chance Davis is on the Lakers for the stretch run this year. Hmm. Um, I think the way the Lakers set up their salary cap is it's a ton of one-year deals, and we all assumed that was for them to just clear the books again and hit this free agent class with Durant, with Davis in it. Or not, not Davis, sorry. With Durant, with um, I think Kawhi's in it too. Kyrie's in it. Boogie will be back in it. Kyrie's in it. Um, although I don't think Kyrie no, and LeBron Kyrie, can play together again. Um, so if you're the Pelicans and you go the other way, you're like, all right, Davis is leaving. We have to get something from him. You have to trade him this year. Next year he's an expiring, and people will say, well, why would I pay top dollar for one year of Davis. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Pelicans and you rightly realize that you can't win a title with just Anthony Davis, you really should make that move if you assume he's gone. Um, if you think there's a chance of keeping him, obviously try and keep him. There's no way you're going to get someone that good in the draft again, or it's really, really unlikely. Um, but I think with the way the Lakers set up their contracts, it's going to be very easy for them to hit any salary they want in a trade. Yeah. They've got young guys that people want. Um, so I think they're a very, very easy team to trade with. And I think that deal, there's a good chance it gets done. Um, and if it gets done, put the Lakers as 1A, 1B with the Warriors in the West. Um, but assuming Davis is still on the Pelicans, um, I, I think Davis is the most underrated player in the league. I thought he was incredible last year. Yeah. Um, second really only to LeBron uh, in terms of how well he played in that stretch run and in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I just think any team with him and four lukewarm bodies that can shoot is going to be better than a hero ball Russell Westbrook team, a weird Wolves team, a Nuggets team that's never played defense before, the Blazers who are like Wizards West, and then the Clippers and the Spurs. Yeah. Um, yeah, compelling arguments all. I, I don't really know what to do with the Pelicans. Like, on the one hand... I think that they can be better than they were last year. I think a lot depends on Alfred Payton, which is a bad thing to say because he's just like never been good. Um, but I, I really like Drew Holiday. I like the fit with Miritich a lot. Like Miritich is exactly the kind of four who you want playing with Anthony Davis as the five. Um, I think Julius Randle's a good addition. I think he could be a really dominant um, backup big. The problem is that there's not, you know, Miritich has shown time and time again that he's not a small forward. Yes. So, you know, they could really run into some some hell uh, later in the season. I mean, I think that the, the Pelicans are your classic team who could be like, you know, who could kick the shit out of a team in the first round of the playoffs like we saw last year. But, you know, can they really hang with a with a Golden State or with a, you know, with a Houston? I don't know. Um it's going to take a great coaching job to get what they need to get out of this roster um, because you look at it, Drew Holiday and Davis are your two like strong starter. Um, Davis being a perennial MVP guy, Drew Holiday, the way he played last year, being a borderline all-star. Um, so those two are your bedrocks. And what you've got in between them are guys like Etwan Moore, Solomon Hill, Ian Clark, and Darius Miller, who shot the lights out last year, but... You know, they're not names. We don't really expect that from year after year. 
They need those guys to shoot this year. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a really interesting big man rotation. You've got Davis and Randall, Miritich and Okafor. Um, yeah. Ja. I, so I've always loved Jaleel Okafor. I feel like he's always been on the wrong team. And I think if you play him 14 minutes a night as Davis's backup and he just cooks on second unit guys, I think this could be a really big year for him. Um and potentially against the right lineups close with Davis. This is a guy with every pedigree you'd want coming into the NBA. Ja? And he's been My put up behind I mean, he was a star in high school and his team one and done won the year won the instead blaze in college. Yeah. This is a guy who could score on anyone anytime he wanted one on one and had to be doubled. And all his that's happened is he's played on that Sixers team behind Noel and Embiid, and then on the Nets which he just looked really unhappy there, and why wouldn't she be? Yeah. Um, and I think this has been one of those off-seasons. Sometimes you hear buzz about an off-season, and it really makes you excited for that player. This has been one of those off-seasons, off-season buzzes, where I, I heard about Okafor, and I was like, wow, he's going to be good. I think he got in great shape. That's good. Um, he's pretty fat. <laughs> but he was really good when he was fat. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I'm, I'm, I have a soft spot for him. You know, I, funny funny comment here, or linked, I also heard about a Duke player on uh, the Pelicans' depth chart. Who Frank I think Jackson? Is, who, yeah, who I think is going to have a good season. Frank Jackson. He's he's a guy who I think had a lot of tools and just never really... Well, he was hurt all last year. Yeah, exactly. He, just, he didn't play, like, literally at all. Exactly. But everybody seems to love him and think that he had great workouts and, like, he looks like a good player, and New Orleans is very fertile ground right now for guards. Yeah, as yeah. you said, like Etwan Moore, Ian Clark, like these guys aren't aren't holding down you know their spots on the depth uh, chart. I think Etwan's a solid starting NBA shooting guard. Dude rips like forty percent from three in defense. Pretty he well. should be a backup, but that's fine. I I would start him. I well, would on start this team, him. I would for sure. I think he would be the Thunder starting shooting guard. Um. I would start him next to Jimmy Butler instead of Jeff Teague if I was the Wolves. Really? Yeah, I like each one more. Okay. Um, all right, but we talked about the Pelicans a lot. Yeah, it's it's kind of all on Davis, and he was a fucking superhero last year, and he's still in the age where he should get better every year, which is frightening. Yeah. Um, so that's the Pelicans. You had the Thunder fifth. I had them, I think, seventh. Uh they lose Mello, which is really a gain. Huge and, gain. <laughs> and they gain Dennis Schroeder, which I'm I I have many thoughts about. Um what why do you think they're the fifth best team? Why do you think they're good? Um let's put it this way. I think that they're a team that's built to win a lot of games in the regular season. I don't see them competing for championships. As much as I would like to see Russ get back to the finals, because I think that, like, for the Thunder to for the Thunder to get back to the finals with Russ Westbrook leading the charge, he would have to reach like just like uh, an unbelievable superhuman peak, which I don't exactly foresee. But I do see them being a really tough team because Westbrook is such a fucking competitor, and because Paul George is really good, and I think has also become kind of underrated. So like. I'm a little worried about Westbrook from a health standpoint, but basically the Thunder are a team that have three bona fide amazing players in uh, Westbrook, George, and I would also say Stephen Adams. Yes, he's like a top five center at this point. Absolutely. 
So he's really good. I mean, he can't. He's he's kind of shitty in the sense that he's not going to make a lot of free throws for you, but and like that can kind of be a killer for a big man because they can just foul him and and really hassle him in the paint. But at the same time, dude would get like 15, 20 rebounds a game if he wasn't playing with Tender Westbrook. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so like I think when you've got that kind of a core and you've got complementary pieces that you know aren't sabotaging the team like Melo you have a decently high ceiling for the regular season. So Schroeder, I don't I don't think he's like the missing piece that takes them further in the playoffs, but I do think that he's uh, a player who can make some shots down the stretch and, you know, maybe that, that swings a close game with New Orleans in the middle of the season. Um, so I, I just feel like we're in the exact same spot with the Thunder, right? So they cut bait with Melo, which I'm really happy about. I-, I thought he was just their worst defender by a mile and then took bad shots and didn't make them. And wouldn't make open threes either for some reason. Like, he was horrific. Uh, so losing him is great. And I love Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant slides into that uh, four role, sort of in between George and Adams on the court. Grant is someone who can guard two through five. Mm-hmm. He might have trouble with a really quick uh, ball handler. But short of that, he can guard everybody. He shoots a little bit, but he's super fucking bouncy. He gets rebounds. Um, I just, I really like his game, and I think he helps them go up a level defensively. Um, Robertson's not going to be there on opening day, so that kind of fifth spot, if you let Grant be in there with George Adams and Westbrook, is wide open. It'll probably end up being Schroeder to start, but between Schroeder, Westbrook, Adams, and then if Grant's your fourth, George is the only good shooter. So now you're running out a no-shooters lineup, and you better be amazing defensively, which Westbrook, Schroeder, to some extent, don't really care about. Um, go the other way, maybe you throw Alex Abrinas in there as shooting guard. Okay, I think he's decent. You know, for he the can kind of shoot, but like he'll just get Spanish picked on guy. defensively. He is Spanish. Raymond Felton's still fat. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he's still getting checks. It's, <laughs> it's really such a testament. We'll, we'll see about him. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like we're in the exact same spot with this team, where the way Westbrook plays kind of gives them a very high floor and a very low ceiling, and they're going to win between 45 and 50 games. And that's what they'll do, and I don't know why George stayed. I thought for sure he'd go play with LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. Um and he signed for three years. He didn't even do the one-one. He's like, I'm there with you, Russ. So that's their team now. And until they nail the four, five, six, seven guys, and they're going to have to nail those to build around this core and overtake the Warriors or whatever's going on at that point, you know, I I just don't see the Thunder winning a title in the next five years. I have no idea why George resigned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, the best the best-case scenario for this team is that Paul George and, and Russ form the tandem that, that Russ could never form with KD. And, and you know, I'll tell you from, like... But George is worse than KD at everything. Yes, but I think that that honestly is kind of paradoxically a strength here. Like, KD... I've just decided that I don't particularly enjoy watching KD play basketball anymore. <laughs> I, you cannot enjoy him. Why don't you like what you didn't like him in Game Four? He was better than LeBron. Yeah, I mean, like it's fun, but he's he's just like a complete ISO player. He does he does nothing interesting 
on the court when the ball isn't in his hands, except for occasionally swatting off the weak side. So, like, he's... Yeah. So I, I think that Paul George, there's there's a world in which a really amazing coach is able to to create an offense that, that perfectly plays off of um, their their sort of dueling abilities to drive and you, George's ability to shoot. You can't create an offense around Westbrook. He, he just has the ball, and he's a psychopath, and he shoots 30 times, and he gets, you know, 12 dump-off baskets for Adams or someone else a game. Yeah. And he won't play defense, and if he doesn't have the ball, he'll stand there. And, like, no matter who you play him with, no matter what the situation is, that's who he's going to be. You know, it's funny. We've had this exact same conversation about Russell Westbrook for the last, like, five years. And, and they keep, keep winning 45, yeah. 50 games. Yeah, and, and that's what they do. And that's exactly what I've got them penciled in at. I mean, last year they were, the, they were the four seed winning 48. I think they're going to finish around there this year and be the five seed. Yeah, and I think that they might make it to the second round of the playoffs and we'll have that conversation of, like, oh, my God, if they actually click, they could give somebody a run for their money. Like... <laughs> You know, I don't really have a lot more to say about the Thunder, and I and I feel like I'm now in the in the in the position of having to defend them. But really, what it is is that they're going to win close to fifty games. They're going to be around the four or five seed. Yeah, and they'll be frisky in the playoffs. Yep, that's exactly. really what it boils down and to. And their highs are going to be high, um, and their lows will be low because they're Russell Westbrook's team, and that's who he is. Yeah. Um, all right. I think the hottest take on mine we should touch on next. I had the T-Wolves sixth. Jesus. Um, and this is assuming Butler stays because I think he'll stay. Um, I think what, what – I mean, this has been one of the better preseason NBA stories in recent <laughs> memory. The This infamous now fucking, like, practice where they finally – he's like, I'm not coming. He's like, trade me. They, like, eventually coerce him into practicing, and apparently he's like, all right, I'm going to fucking clown everyone, and it's not going to be comfortable. And they were like, come. And so he played with the third team guys. He ran the court, was just chirping Towns, Wiggins, and then also Thibodeau and their GM, Layden, and was just like, you fucking need me. You can't do this shit without me. While he's winning with their third stringers against Towns and Wiggins and Teague and whoever else they had on the first string. Um... I fucking loved it. And, you know, I think he's gotten... Jimmy's gotten a lot of shit for it. I I totally defend it. I think when you work as hard as Jimmy works, you get to make these comments. If this was even James Harden... And James Harden's so good, it's he could probably still get away with it, but if you go out to the club, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't really work, and you show up, and then you're like, you fucking suck, you don't try hard, you're a bitch. Like, people will be mad at you. Uh-huh. But if you're there every day, like if you're Russell Westbrook and you're there every day, and Dennis Schroeder comes in, you know, hungover and nails in practice, Westbrook can yell at him. That's how NBA teams work. That's how teams work. If you're not handling your business, you're quitting on your other guys. And really, I think Towns and Wiggins need something like this. They've They've had kind of the classic, like, high-ass draft pick who's never had to win and just gets praised for their potential treatment for, like, four years, and they've never delivered on it. And it's becoming do-or-die time, and they need someone to fucking punch them in the mouth and say, hey, it's not acceptable for you to dog that play. You have to play hard every play. Can I make a quick rant about Andrew Wiggins? 
Yes. So I drafted him in fantasy last year. Did you, who else did you have who sucked? It was you well, had Wall, Beal, and and Wiggins. Wiggins. Who and I who? and I also drafted Millsap, who got hurt and was out for a lot of the year. But what I'll tell you, what was your record? I placed fourth. I had a great season because I was a beast on the waiver wire. I got Donovan Mitchell. Okay, so that's that's great. Yeah, I was I was I was riding on with Donovan, but like, and I had Kyrie, and he and he was good for a lot of the season. But then like. I made it to the to the runner-up game without any of my first four picks. It was really pretty impressive. And I also drafted Jay Crowder. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know why anybody <laughs> listens to me about anything. <laughs> it's just like, you but so like, many guys I hate. I know. Right. But anyway, so Wiggins was on that. You can add Wiggins in our draft on Sunday. No, no, I'm so not going near I made a I made a promise to myself that I would, even if he fell to me with like the last pick You're of the draft, like, no. I, ref- I will never, ever, ever have Andrew Wiggins on a team again. Because I watched too many of his games. He has, like, the most disgusting basketball game you've ever seen. Like, he doesn't make good cuts. He doesn't have any good handle. He can't do anything. (laughs) He's not a particularly good shooter. He's not a particularly good defender. He literally has, like, he's incredibly athletic. And when he has the ball in his hand and he has a little bit of space... Sometimes he can take a few steps to the basket and lay it in nicely. And that's what he can do, and somehow that can get him to 25 points every three or four games. But he won't do anything else. The classic Andrew Wiggins stat line is 18 points on 15 shots with three rebounds, (laughs) one assist, and no steals or blocks. (laughs) That is Andrew Wiggins basketball. He is a fucking disaster. And I hope that Jimmy Butler stuffed him in a locker after that practice. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have gone quite as hard at Cat because I think Cat's pretty talented. But Andrew Wiggins deserved every fucking word that Jimmy said to him. No, Cat needs that too because Cat should be a top ten defensive center at least, and he's just not. And the only thing I can think of is intelligence or effort. Yeah, it's got to be one of those two. And if at a certain point. Like, intelligence becomes effort. Like, he's played 300 NBA games, and he should have been watching all this film. And, like, if he's, like, if he had been putting the work in, I'd be shocked if he was still this bad at defense. Yeah. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I had the same thing with Randall Cobb. I took him, like, third in fantasy football, and he was just trash. Like, I'd watch the games, and he just couldn't get open. He's a slot receiver who can't beat man coverage. That's really sad. And not to go into football, but... Rodgers is so good that he makes bad people look good, and that was one of them. But whatever. Um, all right, so that's that's the T Wolves. So so surprisingly, you have them doing okay because of Jimmy's. Sheer I do. Force of will. I, so I think Jimmy called the players only meeting. He's like, I'm pissed at the management. He's like, you know, whatever. I'm in on this. I really think there's a good chance they come into the first game. There's a chance they literally lose by 50. I think there's a good chance they come in the first game and they're fucking hitting people. And they're just balling. And that's, to me, the quintessential Tom Thibodeau team. It's a team that comes in ham. Will they pace themselves? Probably not. Is Jimmy playing without a meniscus now? Yeah. Is Cat going to play 44 minutes a night? Probably. <laughs> but all of these things mean good regular season basketball. And, you know, they'll probably get bounced in round one of the playoffs. But, hey, it'll be fun watching them come out hot. And I think they're going to come out hot. You know, 
I think that that's all well and true, but there's an equally good chance that they come out and hit each other in the face instead of the other team. So, like, I think that there's a very real world in which Jimmy's gone after a month and, like, everybody breathes a sigh of relief until they realize that, like, D. Rose and Teague have to try and carry, you know, have to try and carry the load from the guard perspective. And... Then the D, team D Rose looked all right in the playoffs. I, I mean, he's still D Rosing it pretty hard with the no threes or defense and a lot of yeah. mid rangers, and he somehow doesn't draw fouls. You know, he goes to the rim all the time. You know, but I'll, you know, I'll say this about D Rose: nothing would make me happier than for him to be a NBA starter again. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I also think he's fine. Dude signed a hundred fifty dollar yeah, million dollar Adidas deal, like a hundred million dollar deal. He's he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll, I, he'll shitty story, but he'll be fine. Um. All right. Yeah, Next I have them team, missing the playoffs for the record. Yeah, that's probably a normal take. I, I don't know. I think this much fire is kind of exactly what this team needed. Um, and kind of exactly what Wiggins and Towns needed. You want to um, hit the Clippers because we both have them out? Yeah, let's hit the Clippers quickly. Um, I can go first. I, I like what they're doing. I think ever since they signed Jerry West, they've been a really smart team. And when the Warriors had Jerry West, they did really smart things. Um, so, you know, just a big shout-out to him. Um, and I just I like what they're doing. They're acquiring guys who are 6'5 to 6'9 who can dribble, pass, and shoot. And that's what the smart teams have been doing for two years. And you look at the dumb teams' rosters, and there's just no wings on them, and it's really funny. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I like the way they're building. I just don't think they have the firepower. Um you know, something like a Beverly, Harris, Gallinari, um, Montrez Harrell, and then, like, Lou Williams 5? Super interesting. We'll be competitive. But with kind of the level of play that these other teams can hit, like, I just don't see them really doing it. Yeah, I mean, I I think... The, so, first of all, the Clippers pick... The Celtics have, but it's 1 through 14 protected. So I think that if anybody has a brain in that office, they'll see that, you know, if they try their absolute hardest and finish, like, just outside of the playoffs or, like, just sniffing the playoffs and they lose that pick, it's the worst of all possible worlds. Wait, so they'd have to be be 15 or 16, right? Yes. So I guess they could miss the playoffs and be better than some East teams who made it and still lose their pick. I guess. Or I think they I think they seed all playoff teams. I don't know how they do it. You're right though. If they lose that pick to get knocked out in the first round, it would suck. Yeah. So like I just I think um I think that the smart move for the Clippers who won 42 games last year it should be said. I think that the smart move for the Clippers is to tank hard. And they're not exactly built for that. They don't exactly have you know, any trade chips that are really worthwhile. I mean, I think that if all indications are that Tobias Harris is going to, is supposed to have a breakout year, is supposed to be much better. Like, I think that he, he might be a piece that you keep for next year with the hope that someone like Jimmy Butler signs. But if you're, if you're shy, Gilgis Alexander guy can come through. If Jimmy signs, if Tobias stays and you get one more, you know, first round pick, that could be a team that you build around. But, like, I mean, this is the issue with having both Teodosic and Beverly and Gallinari and, like, all of these pieces who, like, we like as, like, supercharged bench guys, 
but as a starting unit, um, doesn't really feel particularly inspiring to me. Um, one thing that's interesting about this team, I will say, they have like 14 good players. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, if you don't like the five I threw out, consider the five of Teodosic, Bradley, Mba, Mute, uh, Mike Scott, and Martian Gortat. And that's not even to mention Shai Gilgis, Alexander. Or Montrezl uh, Harrell, who's actually good. No, I mentioned Harrell in the oh, first one. Cinderius um, Thornwell, I have a soft spot for. Wes Johnson's an NBA player. Like, Oh, they, and Boban. Everybody loves yeah, Boban. <laughs> Boban, who's now in L.A. And, you know, like, this roster can go so many different ways. Um, and it's just really interesting. I, I think... Doc's going to have a lot of fun, like, lineup setting and rotation setting and game planning, if he actually game plans, because there's so many different ways you could play this. I mean, you could roll out a five of Bradley, Beverly, Mba, Mute, um, you know, call it Harrison Harrell, and be, like, really good defensively. Or you could roll out, like, Lou Williams... Teodosic, Gallinari, Harris, and Boban and <laughs> drop like 1.3 points for possessions. So there's a lot of shit you can do. They'll be interesting, but again, who's their best player? Is it Harris? It's definitely Tobias Harris. Is it but... Lou Williams? It was Lou Williams last year. And Lou Williams is what? The 40th best player in the league? Like, that's not a good sign. Not even. Um, so let's move on. Yeah. All right, last three teams in this group are Blazers, Nuggets, and Spurs. We can talk a lot about the Spurs or the Nuggets. I don't want to talk a lot about the Blazers. Okay. Let's run through them quick. Blazers, uh, I have out of the playoffs. They could get the eight seed. It's the exact same team where they have Dame and CJ and, like, bad players. Um, And just with this group of people and these teams in the conference, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And I feel like their defense has been smoke and mirrors for four years and their offense has been a lot of Damon CJ balling out, and there's just only so long you can drag a lineup that starts Pat Connaughton sometimes into the playoffs. And I think it's over. Yeah. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall. Did you hear the... I mean, you heard the Bill Simmons theory. That Lillard is going to the Lakers? Yep. I mean, they're built to trade. I don't think it would be Dame. You think it'd be CJ? I don't think it's going to be anyone on that team. (laughs) I think if they flip uh, one of Dame and CJ, they'll try and get someone who's good now. I don't think they'd do it for youngins and filler. Like, I think the the teams that'll send some to the Lakers, like if Toronto, it sucks, I could see Masai just bailing on Kawhi for more than he gave up. Uh-huh. Um, maybe like Kawhi and Ibaka for, if you get Lonzo, he'd be stoked, but, you know, one of the couple of the young guys and some salary. Um, sure. But you could go down the list. I mean, there's a ton of people who are available for the right price. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, they're not interesting. They won't matter this year. Agreed. Um, uh, Let's do Nuggets, because let's save the Spurs. Okay. I have the Nuggets just in. You have them the sixth seed. I do. This is one of those things where, like, they didn't change anything, and I think they're going to be slightly better only because their players are getting slightly better. But I just think with a team, with the team they have, there's such a low ceiling because they'll never defend well. I don't think that's necessarily true. Jokic is like an all-time bad defender, in my opinion. I think he's terrible. I think if you put him in high screens, he gets really exposed. Yeah, but I don't think that that's like super a regular season problem. I think it's like, that. that's like a playoff problem when you've got, you know, when you've got a lot of 
time to game plan for the same team and you've got the best guards in the world who are going to switch on you. So, like, I'm not super worried about Jokic getting run off the floor in the regular season. Um, to me, the most the thing that makes me believe in the Nuggets is, I mean, they talk a lot about the third-year leap, which I think is, is a sometimes a little bit of an oversimplification, but I think also speaks to a pretty well-accepted phenomenon that, like, when players are in the league for three years, you know, by the third year, you're really starting to see their potential. And, like, Jamal Murray and Jokic are both hitting year three. Jokic last year was, like, 18, 10, and 6 and played great ball. And, you know, Murray was the same. Who could, like... And with Gary Harris, like, any of them could go off for 30 in a given night. Like, they will shoot the fucking lights out. And when you add Millsap back... And, I mean, Millsap missed a shitload of games. Yeah. Millsap missed, like... The majority of the season, and they still won forty six games. But keep in mind, how old is Paul Millsap? Right, thirty three. Like thirty three. Like he's not getting younger. Yeah, but he's also not a bad player. No, he's solid. But and they were way better with him than without him, and they still won forty six games. Yeah, I mean, I have them in the playoffs because I think the Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic lineup. Oh, and Barton, yeah, he's really is, good too. Those are five good NBA players, and I would say that Murray, Harris, and Jokic. Barton, to a tiny extent, are good, young, getting better players. Mm-hmm. They can all shoot, they can all pass, they can all dribble. And that's weirdly not a thing in the NBA a lot, and it's really important. And, you know, Gary Harris is like an above-average defender. Millsap is an above-average defender. Barton's undersized at the three. And Jokic can't guard anyone, and Murray can't guard anyone. And when you have that as your situation, there's just a really low ceiling. Um, and one thing I'll shit on them for, I talked about this last year. They have no wings. They're a team without wings. Murray, Harris, and Barton are guards. Isaiah Thomas, who I really hope he plays well. I thought he got fucked over by the Celtics, and dude never got his big contract. Um, so I hope he can at least play late into his 30s. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, 5'8". Um, you know, Trey Lyles, big man. Mason Plumley, big man. Who, by the way, do you agree now that was a bad signing? Yeah, I think they should have used that money elsewhere. Okay, I'm glad we got to that point. Um, like, So that's their like top nine, and there's zero threes in it, which is a huge problem because everyone plays small forwards all the time now. Yeah. Um, wild card, Michael Porter Jr. Allegedly, back feels okay. Was the top prospect in his class. Not a year and a half ago. Um, you know, interesting, uh, interesting spot. He'll have... Every minute he wants to to take, uh, it's a bad way of putting it, he'll have all the time he wants to take it easy, and he'll get to jump onto a team that's good. And he would be that wing. He would be that wing. He's 6'10". Mm. He's big, yeah. but he, he plays three. Yeah. He's like, uh, he projects like Ingram a little bit, less feel for the game, um, was a better scorer, I think, in high school, but we haven't seen him since high school, so there's no way to know. So I'll tell you, here's here's what is the most, uh, what really caught my eye with the Nuggets last year. Well, I mean, there, there are a bunch of games I saw of theirs that really caught my eye, but their last game, their play-in game against the Wolves, was very interesting. Like, that was a game that, that Jimmy, like, came back from a meniscus tear for, and the Wolves were in so much better form, and, like, it was obvious that Denver was, like, too young, too inexperienced. Like, Millsap was, like, you know, barely playing, um, and like, 
somebody else was hurt. I forget whether it was like Barton or somebody, but like it was basically like these young guys hanging in there trying to trying to go toe for toe with this team, the Wolves that were hell bent on making it to the playoffs with Jimmy Butler at the helm, and Jokic like went bucket for bucket with Jimmy down the stretch. Like he scored, I think it was something like eight or nine straight. Yeah. Um, like the last five possessions of the game, and they only got beat because somebody gave up a stupid foul. But like this Nuggets team is is on the cusp of of taking that next step. I think as a unit, like it's hard to look at their season last year and say like, oh yeah, that's the finished project product of the Nuggets. I think that that team was so young and they didn't have their their fourth best player. And they still won forty six games. I think that the I think that I don't think they're going to win a championship this year, but I think they they could have a fantastic season and even you know push into that five four area if all breaks right for them. So in their development, I see this as the year they crack the playoffs, lose in the first round, and need to learn some lessons and make some slight changes. And my guess is it'll be the coach. Um, yeah, it should and be the coach. They need to, to get some fucking wings. But other than that, like as bad as Jokic is at defense, he's infinitely better at offense. Um, just literally can be a fulcrum of a top five offense right now and is. And if you look at the teams I have making the playoffs in the West, Warriors, Rockets, Lakers, Nuggets, I think will be top five in the league offenses. They were last year. And Jazz, Pelicans. Well, Pelicans, I guess, they're, they, they're going to have to be near top five in both. They probably won't make top five in either. But Jazz, Thunder, and T-Wolves, I think. Well, Jazz and Thunder will be top five defenses. Um, so that didn't really land where I wanted it to. But my point is, you got to be great at something if you're not going to be really, really fucking good at both. And if the Nuggets are not going to be gr- good at defense, they have to be great at offense, and they are great at offense. Um, and that's, I mean, you look at the Rockets before they figured out defense. They were so good at offense, they just swung it. And that's got to be the blueprint. Yeah. Um, all right, let's hit the Spurs quickly. I have them out. You have them in. Um, I understand they were almost a playoff team last year. They were a playoff. Or team they last were year. a playoff team last year with um, without Kawhi, and that they added Demar Derozan. They also lost Dejounte Murray, and Derek White is now out with a plantar fasciitis tear. So, tear? Oh, is that real life? He's yeah. out. Yeah. Shit. Um, so. Damn it! That ruins a lot of the things. I <laughs> I was hearing really the same buzz you were about him being fire. Well, so if you remember from our from our preview pod last year, yeah, you were I like, talked watch about Derek White. He was just he was still marinating. Yeah, it was a it was a slow cook. But I saw I saw him play in college a little bit. And you know, really he could he could come back in a month. It's not a big deal. Plantar fasciitis you can get rid of quickly. I have it all the time. <laughs> um, that's good. You should write him. I I guess my problem with the Spurs is I think they've hit a crisis point. Like, I'm all for, like, the mid-range is actually good and we'll just be a really good defense, but I think they've hit a crisis point where, like, good lord, they have no shooting or dynamic offensive play. And I think their hope this year was for DeJounte Murray to bring all that. And I had them in over the Nuggets for sure and probably the T-Wolves and Thunder and maybe Pelicans if they have DeJounte Murray because I think he was poised to be a fucking stud this year. That's what I thought, too. And the second is ACL tour. I was like, wow, they don't have anyone dynamic on this team. Um, Unless DeMar really is trying to give a middle finger to everyone and just drags this team. I've seen what they look like with Aldridge 
as their best player, it's not inspiring, and Aldridge is only going to be getting worse. Everyone else is older or just bad at basketball. And, you know, at a certain point, we have to wonder if the magic of the Spurs, and this isn't me wondering anymore, was so much more the magic of Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan than it was just the laundry. Hmm. Well, I think you're discounting Pop a little bit, but... He's um, also, like, 70 and just, like, drinks wine with his friends and old teammates and probably just... Like, this is... The great ones never go quietly. <laughs> I think this is going to be Pop's Jordan on the Wizards year, and then I think he's <laughs> going to hang it up. Yeah. I think I mean, the Kawhi thing aged him. I think Manu retiring and Tony leaving is a sign that Pop is done. Well... I hope that that's not the case. I hope to see a little more time out of Pop. I hope that uh, DeJounte Murray and Derek White come back and and are the one-two combo uh, with DeRozan at the three-slash-two that can take the Spurs to, to at least have one more really interesting, you know, year next year. Um, what I'll say is, if you're a Spurs fan... There's a lot of reasons to to trust the process. Like, Pirtle, I think, was an awesome return that doesn't get talked about on the Kawhi deal. Like, Pirtle was really fucking good, and Toronto just had too many bigs and an offense that, that couldn't really maximize his talent. Well, yeah, I mean, they had two starting NBA centers, and Valanciunas ended up keeping his role, and Pirtle stayed with the youngins. But you could argue Pirtle was better last year. I think he was better. I watched those I watched those games because, uh, unfortunately, I had Valanchunas, who had his days, but really wasn't great. <laughs> you laugh, but I did. I had a really good season. Oh Whatever. I And I think that the fact I just, that I... I just think it's funny. Like, I know your team did well. I just think it's funny that, like, every player on your team was some guy. I'm like, one of us was like, yeah, I mean, this dude just kind of sucks, but it's fine. Yeah. It was just, like, your team. <laughs> I know. It was a team full of guys who kind of suck, but for whatever reason, like, put together a decent amount of stats. Just gave but, you like, enough empty stats to coast. And exactly. <laughs> I didn't coast. I scrapped. I, I scrapped hard. That's but anyway... It's a good strategy. <laughs> I draft empty stats. It's <laughs> underrated. <laughs> well, my, my draft strategy this year is just draft entertaining players. I'm tired of drafting for stats. Anyway, um, I think that with Pirtle, with Lonnie Walker, with DeJounte Murray, with Derek White... I think Walker's also hurt right he now. He is also hurt. day to day-ish, right? He is also hurt. Um, it's like a like meniscus or MCL or something i don't know it's, that it's sounds a, awful <laughs> i know it's hopefully a, he'll come they're safe with injuries usually yeah but like i think if they've got a lot of young guys coming i think DeRozan and aldridge are both pretty good um and i think that they just they have the infrastructure like it's it, patty mills will be the starting point guard and be fine if Derek white is out and, and if Dejounte murray is out and you've just got to count for the fact that they'll play as you said really good defense and they're not going to be stupid. Like, so many teams are fucking stupid. And, like, I think that they, for whatever reason, like, they just, they pull guys like Bertans out of their ass who can somehow have, like, a 30-point game. Like, that was classic Spurs last year, is, like, Bertans would get, like, super hot from three. But at a certain point, like, uh, like they maximize the Davis Bertanses of the world, but he's still Davis Bertans. Like... And they're going up against teams that are really fucking good. And I, and I guess my, my response to that is they had the exact same team last year and they added two pieces that are better. Like, 
losing losing Tony Parker, um, well, I guess also we have to say losing DeJounte Murray. Tony Parker and DeJounte Murray are not worth DeRozan and Pirtle. So I think that they got better, and I count on the infrastructure being just enough to get them past uh, bums like the Trailblazers uh, and uh, a team going supernova like the Wolves and the Mavs that I think are still too young. So I'm not saying the Spurs are going to go compete for a title and go beat the shit out of anybody. You've got them I, over the Wolves, though. Yeah, because I think they're. I think the Wolves are going supernova. I don't think or like by supernova, I mean combusting yeah, into a I black mean, if hole. If they completely crater and start pushing each other, and Towns is crying, and and Wiggins just leaves and goes back to Canada, they've still got to be better than the Blazers. Yeah, and I think that they can be. Okay. Okay. All right. That's enough Spurs talk. I just want to say one thing, though. Um, Patty Mills has never driven, dri- dribbled past anyone who wasn't flying to block his shot, <laughs> which is fine if you're kicking out to him for three, but someone has to break down the defense. And that could be DeMar DeRozan, and maybe DeMar reinvents himself as a penetrate-and-kick guy in the Spurs offense. Because if you, if you think about the good Spurs teams, they always had Parker and Ginobili breaking down the defense, and no one's been able to do it since Parker got washed up. Um, so, and I think that's why you saw so much of Manu last year, even though he was completely, yeah. <laughs> completely rickety. Um, God bless Manu. I thought DeJounte would be that guy. Now that he's not, it's going to have to be Derek White when he's back or tomorrow. But anyway, there's only so much mid-range to go around. And I think, <laughs> I think they're going to run into a shortage of mid-range. Um, I am excited for the Demar, Rudy Gay, Aldridge, Pau Gasol, um, Derek White five to have no one who can make a three, but everyone who's cash from twenty feet. I think Derek. Can they're gonna look. They're gonna look like an eighties team. <laughs> they're gonna look like our men's league where we have no three point line. Yeah. So guys only stretch out to like seventeen feet, and we all do little passes and they're cut, and they just take like an eighteen footer. That's Jesus. gonna be us. <laughs> or that's gonna be the spring. Um, all right. So that's that clump. I don't think any of them are challenging for the title, do you? No. Okay, good. Not at all. So, that leaves four, and we've got to the good part. Hour in. Um, Let's go. Warriors, Rockets, Lakers, Jazz. You have the Jazz as the three seed. I have the Lakers as the three seed. Um, and even if the Jazz have a better record, I would still pick the Lakers over them in a series. I also would as well. Um, I just want to say this. And I feel like I'm the only one I've heard say it, which is weird because usually everyone talks about this. LeBron was literally the best fucking player in the league last year in the playoffs, and it was by a considerable margin. He was dragging a horrific Cavs team through the playoffs. Yep. And we all watched him play, and we all said, oh my god, he's so much better than everyone else in the league. And we watched him in game one against the Warriors, and he dropped like a 50-10-10, and and they really, really should have won the game Um, if, you know, they make their free throws. Were it not for JR. If JR didn't dribble out the clock. (laughs) If if a block charge call didn't get reversed. Yep. Um, And the only reason they reviewed it, the reason they reviewed it was bullshit. They made the correct call in the end, so they can't really complain. Um, But... You know, I think the level LeBron hit in those playoffs, and then he broke his hand after game one. 
like, he punched a blackboard and broke his hand that was playing with, like, a small break in his hand. Um, the level he was playing at when he was healthy in the playoffs was insane. And I think we're all forgetting that. And I know he'll pace himself, but that level's there whenever he wants. So even if the Lakers start off kind of shaky, he might hit that gear 50 games in. Yep. And I'd like... I've never seen anyone play that good in my life. That was the best I've ever seen basketball played. Absolutely. So why wouldn't that guy elevate a Lakers team that has a ton of talent on it? I love Lonzo Ball. I love the idea of him and LeBron passing together. And even though Lonzo airballed his first shot last night, I liked what I saw. He cashed the second one. And Ingram looks really good. And, you know, they've got these kind of interesting pieces. There's a lot of Lance happening, which I wasn't thrilled about. But Kuzma looks good. Josh Hart looks good. They have players. And if you really think that the Cavs roster is meaningfully better... I don't. I think that they're the much Lakers worse. Are right now. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're crazy. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that I think there's a real chance they swing a midseason trade for impact guys. Absolutely. And they don't have to sacrifice the young guys. They have matching contracts. Maybe they sacrifice Kuzma and they get back a really good player. Yeah. I mean it'd be it's it's interesting to see who's the odd man out. Like I feel I feel like that's gonna be the interesting uh sub headline of the season. I mean, is... even the Nikola Miritich of last year, right? It's not like the Pelicans were this thriving dynasty. Yeah, he, he came back from injury. He shot really well for two months, and he went to the Pelicans and completely changed their season. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that help is coming for the Lakers this year. I, if I was, you know, if I was going to bet on will the Lakers make a trade this season, yes or no, I would bet yes with so much money. But like, and I, and I think the interesting sub headline of the Lakers season is going to be the young guys should be basically auditioning for their for their right to stay on the island. Yeah, it's because like it's like when a consultant comes into work and interviews you, you're interviewing for your job again. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's it's not just it's not just there for fun. Yeah. So like I I think that every every game I think is going to have a certain amount of intensity to it because I think the young guys are now like, "Oh yeah, it's it's our time to be good." Like I think LeBron I mean, talk about the opposite of a Jimmy Butler. Like, he he's not going to, like, call these guys out in the just, just for the sake of calling them out. He's going to really make them better, I think. And, like, if, if, I'm, if I'm Lonzo Ball, I'm thinking to myself, I have to play my fucking ass off or I'm going to get moved to Portland or I'm going to get moved to New Orleans. I'm going to be the trade bait to get, a, to get uh, LeBron his star unless I can prove that I'm worthy. There's also something with, like, and what you said is totally right. There's also something with, like, the relative ages. So it's happened before in the NBA where guys get to play with the people they watched growing up. But it's usually when they're, like, completely washed. Like, Michael Jordan on the Wizards, someone who was, you know, whatever, 21, 22, would have watched Michael growing up. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael was washed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so Lonzo's 19, right? Yeah. LeBron broke into the NBA when Lonzo was three. Ever since Lonzo's been watching basketball, LeBron's been a star. Because LeBron was a star from day one. Yeah. And LeBron is in his prime. So Lonzo's getting to play with the guy in his prime who he idolized growing up. And you can see a ton of LeBron in Lonzo's game. And I think that matters. I think that's going to find... That's going to bring energy out of these guys. Third game in four, 
getting fouled a bit, hurt a bit. I mean, you're going to want to play with LeBron. They they are going to treasure every minute they go with LeBron more than someone like J.R. or Tristan was last yeah. year. Absolutely. And and low key, honestly, I would I would rather keep Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram if I could. I would I would rather go um whatever picks I could plus, you know, plus contracts to get to get that supporting player and then sign my other star via free agency. Yeah. Because I don't think it's worth breaking up those guys. The third star is easy to get. I would send any one of them tomorrow for Davis. Because I think... Oh, for Davis, sure. But Davis like, is already so good that a LeBron-Davis pair I would just do immediately. Yeah. I mean, I would trade any one of... Would you trade two of those guys for Davis? Yeah. Yeah. Probably me too. I would say I wouldn't do three, but then I would do three. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if they're like, okay, I'm giving them away, I would do three. Um... Uh, all right, so that's the Lake Show. Let's not talk about regular season, because that's kind of bullshit at this point. Yeah, that's why I have them at the four. Yeah. I, I, I could see them being amazing. I could see them being around 6-7. I, I think they'll be the four, but, like, I don't super care. Um, let's talk about these four. Who do you think comes out of the West? Or should we do a quick overview on the Jazz? I mean, the Jazz Rockets and Warriors are largely the same team. You've got DeMarcus on the Warriors. He's coming off as an Achilles tear. Mm -hmm. So their hope is that he's, you know, a lukewarm body when he comes back, which makes him way better than Zaza. They're going to hope that he's decent, you know, in March and April and get some reps. And they're going to hope that by June, he's 80% of who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, And that'll be about a year and change after the Achilles tear, which... People are not 100% then, um, and that's why he signed a $5 million deal. But, you know, I, he's going to be so much better than who they had. They'll be great, um, but it'll still really matter all on, you know, their core four. Absolutely. Um, and what they get out of Iguodala, Livingston, Jordan Bell is up for debate, and they may need something out of those guys uh, if a really, really good Celtics team, if a... Raptors team that clicked if a the Sixers are exploding team meets them in the finals or if they go up against the Rockets again um or the Rockets they go up against playoff LeBron yes the Rockets bring brought back largely the same team they lose Ariza they get mellow they get James Ennis I as discussed with mellow I'm allergic to him now um but uh you know that's them and then the Jazz bring Bring back basically exactly the same team um, and just hope that some organic growth takes yeah. where they need to go. Uh, Jonas Jerebko went from the Jazz to the Warriors. Okay, he was their, like, ninth best player. Yeah. Just, um, I, <laughs> just, I don't care. I mean, interesting for the Warriors. Yeah. No, it adds another, as a, as another a piece body. He'll take Nick Young's yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Nick Young in China? Did he get signed by someone? I have no idea. I think he's on his Nick couch. Young. I hope he goes to China. Um, all right. Nick Young is an absolute gem. So, I think we're both in agreement. Most likely out of the West is the Warriors, right? Yeah. i say almost for sure. Okay. If Steph is out for the playoffs, and this is not a big if because for maybe six of Steph's eight years in his career, he's been out for the playoffs or it was close. Mm-hmm. Maybe four. Um, or he, like, took an injury late in the season. Who do you have come? Let's say there's no Steph. Who do you have coming out of the West? I would not pick the Warriors, I don't think. Hmm. 
There's a lot of unknowns. Because I could see, if that's around the time horizon for, for Boogie... They've got. They've still got all the firepower they need, and all the coaching, and all the stuff. But their whole everything is Steph related. It's true. It's always has been. It doesn't have to always will be. Like if Steph blows his ACL in game two, they could probably build a new culture across the eighty. But, you know, it's a toss up. Yeah. Um. I would say I. No, Steph. I think I. S- still pick the Warriors, but I think really hard about the Rockets. I'd probably go Lakers. (laughs) I love LeBron. He's so good. The Rockets, though, here's what I'll say about the Rockets, is they really, really, really could have won that series. And if they have Chris Paul in Game 7 at home, maybe they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the Warriors lost Iggy. So, you know. And the thing with the Warriors is the way they have their money spread out, like, yeah, you're losing Steph Curry if you lose Steph Curry. Yeah, you're losing Clay Thompson if you lose Clay, lose Clay Thompson. But your replacement is also horrific. Like, we go back to the Clippers, right? They have 14 NBA guys. Yeah. The Warriors have five. No, they have, like, six. Livingston's, like, pretty washed. Yeah. Jordan Bell was a second-round pick. I like him. But Quinn Cook was fine in the regular season. He was also there for anyone to sign. And there's a reason he looked okay only. And it's because he was playing with great guys. Yeah. Um... And I just, they're, the value of a replacement of their guys is somehow even bigger than how good they are, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. They're top-heavy. Very top-heavy, um, which they want to be. I I have the Jazz fourth, and I understand that kind of nerd NBA culture gets very excited about them, but, and this is the reason I'll defend to the death, Draymond being a better defender than uh, Gobert. I have just the most vivid memories of teams dragging Gobert into high pick and rolls and cooking him. Mm-hmm. And I, if you have someone you can put him in a high pick and roll with, it's like they're playing the Rockets, they're playing the Lakers, LeBron and Harden will just be like, yo, come up here, and then do that. I don't see how the Jazz win that game four times out of seven. It's just such a basic play type in the NBA that Gobert can't handle. Yeah, I mean... Regular season, you're not calling them up there 40 times a game. It's not as much one-on-one. They're going to be the best defense in the league. Postseason, I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think that your point is valid in, like, a championship scenario. Like, for context, I saw, I saw Gobert, um, although I guess, to be fair, it was against the Kings. But in the preseason... Um, yeah, who's <laughs> fucking Buddy Heald's like, yo, come up here, ISO. Yeah, he <laughs> come screen for me, Zach Randolph. Somebody, somebody tried to play that on Gobert, and he put it in the stands. Like he really volleyball swatted the shit out of it. A hundred percent. So like, and he'll do that to everyone but six guys in the league. Unfortunately, four of them are in his conference. Yes. So, I mean, that's the thing. But like at the same time, for whatever reason, like Gobert is able to cancel Russell Westbrook. Yeah, because Westbrook can't shoot. If you can't shoot, you can hang back on that high pick and roll uh-huh. all day. This is what I said in our playoff preview pod. I'm like, Gobert will just go stand at the rim, and Russ will run into him and get swatted. Yeah. Curry, Harden, LeBron's kind of too big for you to really deal with this. Uh-huh. We'll just come around the screen and shoot unless you show hard. And if you show hard, they'll cook you. So you yeah. have to be mobile enough to show hard and recover, which Anthony Davis can do. Uh-huh. Which Draymond Green can do, which Gobert can't do. 
Valid points. I agree. And I, I don't have the Jazz winning the championship either. So yeah, they'll be I mean, they'll be really good. They're they're hard capped. But I do I do think um I'm interested to see Donovan Mitchell's year two development. I mean, as a rookie, he was by the end of the season was playing all star caliber basketball. So yes. that doesn't happen almost ever. So I'll, yeah. Finish your point about him though. So I'm just interested to see where the progression goes because if you if you think about it like a graph, like what we saw would match a pattern of exponential growth, you know, where he's just sort of like dece 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 really good really good amazing, um, through the regular season and into the playoffs, but, you know, who knows where that graph will go? It could tail off. It could if if it keeps going the way it went at the end of last season. He'll look like D. Wade in his prime sometime soon. He'll look like Dwayne Wade with a three-point shot. Which is amazing. Which is exactly... Which is Dwayne Wade in 2019, which is amazing. Yeah. My one concern for him uh, was pretty inefficient. And he was... It's totally understandable because he was getting the superstar on a team with no other creator treatment while he was in his first three months in the league. Mm -hmm. Which... Should happen, right? That makes sense. I don't know of anyone who could have really dealt with that. But for them to be really as good as they were last year or even get better, he's going to have to be more efficient. He can't jack up nine threes a game and shoot 33%. Well, also the, the argument for them being better is that Gobert missed uh, half the season. So, like, they, they won the games that they did and, and got into the playoffs at the five seed because they went on a ridiculous tear when he came back. Yeah, they dropped like a what was it, 30 and 9? Something something, something crazy. It was some like they were 60 win team with him when he came back basically. Yeah. So, if you if you think about it like that that you know, they were playing like a 60 win team with Gobert, that makes me feel pretty comfortable sliding them into the third spot and them having a pretty good regular season. <laughs> feel pretty comfortable and then you're like Yeah, well, it's like yeah. No, but I, I I feel I feel really good about the Jazz being being my three seed for the regular I, season. I I just feel like they have a low ceiling in the sense that like they not low, but they have a heart like they can't get better than a certain level. And I think that's because the favors go bear pairing is weird. Rubio can't shoot. And I think you combine those three things, and unless they're literally the best defense ever, which they could be regular season in theory. I don't see them coming out of the West, and I think in the playoffs, especially, that the kind of big-centric defense is going to get killed by spread pick-and-roll teams, of which the Warriors, Rockets, and Lakers can all be when they want to. All right, I just want to shout out my boy Joe Ingles real quick, who's awesome. Go for it. I'd also say that I would probably have the Jazz coming out of the East, Jazz or Celtics, or Raptors. Yeah. I would say they would be in that category for me. Yeah. Um... Joe Ingles will get 400 assists from the small forward position. Yeah. For savage. for perspective, that's what... That's five like, a game. That's what a really good point guard averages. No. Well, like, I shouldn't say a really good. What a good point guard averages. He'll, he'll be, like, top 25 in the league in assists from the small forward position. I think he'll be top 20, but yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's what LeBron does from the small forward position. Well, LeBron gets nine a game. Whatever. He doesn't get nine. He gets, like, seven, but still. Uh, Okay. Um, all right. Do you have anything you want to add on the Rockets or Warriors? Um, I'm a, I'm a known Rockets skeptic and hater. Uh, I don't, 
I, I don't know how I can continue to not believe in this team. Oh, yeah, you came in hot last year. You're like, Spurs over Rockets? <laughs> yeah. For the, for the record, had Kawhi been healthy, I, I feel good about okay, that Okay, but I, I feel super vindicated coming in hot on the Rockets will be yeah. good. No, you were... you were, that, was, that was good. That was really good. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I, oh, no. I don't really know what to think about them. Every year, I think that Chris Paul is done, washed, finished... And somehow he turns in another season of 19 points and 10 assists. When you're brilliant and skilled, physical decline doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, to a point. When he can't move anymore, it'll be time. But he, he he's can still been, kind of hobble. He's been missing a meniscus now for like, God, like eight years. Yeah. You realize that's the surgery Jimmy had last year? Yeah. So like, I don't, I wouldn't want to pay him his next contract, which is going to make this trade interesting for him because you're i'd really only be trading him for him for a year yeah unless he wants to resign me for two or something exactly um anyway yeah i so if you want to hate on the rockets i'll indulge you in the fact that i think ariza was underrated from the perspective of his defense and shooting and ability to switch across one through four and i like james ennis i just i have no opinion on because he hasn't played real basketball yet and Carmelo is just a fucking cancer at this point. And the idea of, like, like I don't see how a team literally just subbing him for Ariza is even close to as good. Because what he's going to do is need the ball. He's going to come out there and need the ball and then do bad things with it and then give you no defense. The one thing that, that I've come to learn, though, about the Rockets is that I, I, I really believe, and, you know... I knew this was true, even if I didn't want to admit it last year. But Maury Ball is the truth. Like, to a point. Like, it, it, it will deliver these kind of results where, like, if you take all of the right shots, you're going to have a chance to win every game, even if you can't play defense. So, But they, the thing is, they also say take the right shots of the right people. Like, Harden is great at layups and threes. Mm-hmm. Paul is their only mid-range artist, and he's great at it. Mm-hmm. There are guys who shoot threes now... Or last year, it was Ariza, Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson. Those guys are wet. They still have Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's still nice. He just gets injured sometimes. Um, what you could sell me on for Mello is just being Ryan Anderson. That's what I think he should be. And I think, I can't even tell you how many times <laughs> we've had this conversation. I said he was... It's fucking Groundhog Day. Did I say he was Ryan Anderson or like a worse Ryan Anderson? I can't remember. <laughs> I think I said he was one of the two all year last year. You said he was worse because he doesn't know that he's right. So. <laughs> okay. Great. So this is where we're at now. And yeah. we have to like literally see it. And you'll get to see an article in two months when they're 20 and 14 and Mello's shooting 35%. Mello needs to understand he's Ryan Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I also just feel like Paul's not getting better. Harden's probably going to be about the same and... I just don't think they're going to be able to knock this Warriors juggernaut off. I think they had their shot and they missed. They did. And, you know, the I, if they could... So, let's flip this another way. Let's say Davis comes available and Maury trumps the Lakers' offer. The Lakers like, we want to keep Ingram. Let's say Maury's like, you get Capella, you get, um, you know, Eric Gordon, so he'll be good right now. You get this unprotected pick and this unprotected pick. It's possible. Maury's done crazier things. Jesus. Like is that if, if that's all that it would take to get to get uh 
two unprotected picks. You'd have to hand out something like the the Nets handed out to the Celtics. But like you could like teams just won't do it. But in theory, they could do it. Yeah, I'm just saying like no team is static right now. But I think the Rockets, as constructed, it's not great. Don't love them. The the biggest problem they had, um, this is what the Warriors faced last year, is they're no longer getting a great deal on Clint Capella. Clint Capella is now fairly paid. Yes. Just like last year, Steph became fairly. Well, I would still open market. He'd be worth more than forty, but mm-hmm. he's forty is a lot closer to his value than eleven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, like obviously the guy deserves the contract, but it still really hurts the team to give that contract because you used to have this great deal. Yeah. And now you don't. Yeah. And that's just less money. Um, but another year of NBA intrigue ending with a Warriors title. Agreed. I think there's a real chance it's the last year of them. Yeah. Clay well, and Durant I, come off the books, I think, right? Yes. Correct. I think they keep Clay and Durant leaves. I really hope so. I think KD was super down to win three rings. And just, I think he's like, the kind of guy who reads, obviously, subtweets on, on the internet. And I think he wants to do something so that the random Twitter commenters will like him more. Yeah. So I think he'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe to LA to play with LeBron. That'd be really funny. Or maybe to New York or maybe to the Clip. No one's going to the Lakers. Or the Knicks, sorry. I, I just need to squash this right now. Really? Yes. No one is going there. No one wants to work with James Dolan. And their cap is a fucking disaster. Could I read you their cap? I'm going to uh, look it up. Tim Hardaway is the problem. Well, Tim Hardaway and Jokic. Everyone's the problem. the problem. They've somehow filled it. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. Uh, all right. Maybe Literally Brooklyn is the answer now. then. But I don't want to go there. Playing in New York. All right. So for next year, here's what they have on the books for next year. Joe Keem for 20. <laughs> Tim Hardaway for 18. Courtney Lee for 13. Lance Thomas for 7.5. Um, Kristaps will negotiate his extension, so he'll be like 30, 35, whatever they can pay him. Um, so you know, that's not actually cap hell next year. That right there. It's, it's cap purgatory, but it's not cap so hell. So 35, 20, 18, 12, and 7. Uh, let's see, 55, 73, uh, that's 92 million. Just for Joakim Noah, Hardaway, Courtney Lee, Lance Thomas, and the big Chris Stapps extension. And keep in mind, this blue is a player option. Isn't that terrible? Oh, yeah. Hardaway's got a player option in 2021. Oh, my God. Uh, which is incredible. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, it's really just, like, funny to look at. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, they have no cap for a year. And you could make the case that maybe they, you know, they don't re-sign Chris Stapps yet. They renounce him. They bring in Durant for 40, they bring back Kristaps, they put some over the tax, they can flip Noah midseason as an expiring. Like, you could do it. I just, like, why do you want to do it? And what about this team gives you any hope? Beyond Fisdale, who I like. I would say that if you're talking about next year, if you've got a lineup of... By the way, that cap, sorry, was not for next year, it was for the year after. The one I just read to you. Oh. So, like, like this is this year, yeah. and they're already fucked. That's, like, the year after. Like, they're yeah, still no, that's, that's what I mean. skunk sprayed. This is the one I'm thinking yeah. about. For 2019-2020. The one yeah. that, like, free agents will look at and be, like, gross. That's the one I read. Yeah. But, I mean, I think if you've got... 
Also, we should wrap this up soon. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you've, if you've got the, the lineup of Perzingis, Kevin Durant, Kevin Knox, Tim Hardaway Jr., Frankie Smokes, one more lottery pick, and, you know, a couple role guys, that's an interesting team. You'll have Durant, someone in Porzingis who's never been on a good team, and some guys who are young and I don't know how good they're going to be, and Hardaway who's just not good. Yeah. So uh, that's fun. But, like, why go there? Like, why do that to yourself? I think, I think the challenge of it. You did your nine years in Oklahoma City. Like, when you're a rookie and you become this good and you've signed that second contract, like, Davis is there now. He gave the Pelicans nine years. Yeah. Nine years is a long-ass time. That's double what people go to college and high school. Like, that's double college. And you think yeah. about college is a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, He's done his time. He can go wherever he wants. They don't, he doesn't owe them shit. I'm not saying it's about owing anything. I just think what the story of Kevin Durant that I find compelling, and this is what I hear about in the, in the reporting about it, is that he does not feel fulfilled by having chased the rings and won them and winning them. Yeah, of course. And like, well, he doesn't feel adored. He wants to feel adored. Yeah. He wants, I told you, he wants to read his Twitter mentions. And I think that the only way to do that is to like fucking climb the mountain, to like go to some place that has not won a title and go be the savior. Because that's the only way that Kevin Durant is going to get adoration. He's not going to get it from going to join LeBron. He's n- probably not going to get it from going and join the clip. Although maybe go to the Bulls. <laughs> Jesus. That'd be fun. I don't know if I could. I don't know. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I would. I would, I would buy it. a Durant jersey tomorrow. Jesus. <laughs> you kidding? I uh, love his game. All right. We're wrapping up. Okay. Any parting shots? Um... I, I I just want to plant my flag very firmly in the... Oh, we should... Uh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say Jazz, Nuggets, and Spurs to make the playoffs. Those are those are all my teams that I'm really going to be pulling hard for in the West this year. And the Mavs to be frisky and surprising. Any, any chance the Warriors don't win the title? I think... I think it's possible. The only world that I see them not winning the title is if either the Celtics. the Celtics or the Raptors click. But I I don't see the Raptors winning it. I think that the Celtics are the only team that could really dethrone them. I, I think, yeah. I think, I told you last pod, I thought the Raptors had a real shot to win the East. I also think the Celtics are the only one to come out of the East that would have a chance. Yeah. Kyrie would have to light up Curry. Yeah. Um, and he can. He has. And he can. And then you stick... You know, whatever. Jalen Brown on Durant. He just hounds him all game. Hayward lights... Like, they have five scorers, and the Warriors will roll out someone who's questionable, and you just figure it out. You gotta expose them. Plus, guys get... Like, guys don't win every year. Like, it's possible. Yeah, no, I I think the Celtics are the only team that... I think that would be the best chance NBA Finals. Um, Celtics-Warriors. Yeah, that or Celtics-Lakers. We get to see Kyrie-LeBron. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Those are the two I'm hoping for. Anyway... Good luck, Nick. Thank you, listeners, uh, for sticking with us. The West had a lot to talk about. Um, and keep an eye out for some more NBA content. I'm going to probably get my roommates on. Uh, some fresh voices on here, and we'll get Nick back shortly. All right. Thanks, Nick. It's been a pleasure, Zach.